Right. Um, it's titled, Submit Yourself to God. There's a thumbs up for you. Hmm. James 4, 1 to 12. Right. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Uh, sorry, quite emotional reading this. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You cover but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Hmm. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? I mean, against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against your brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Wow, I'm glad I didn't get that one. <laughs> That's tough, eh? Yeah. Okay, Rowan, if you'd like to come up, and I'm very interested to um, hear your thoughts and what God's shown you on this passage. <laughs> um, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the verses and for the message that you have within it. Lord, may my thoughts be your thoughts, and may the words from my mouth reflect you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. So today I'm bringing a message from James, and to me it's actually about vital Christianity. It's a warning against worldliness. Here James speaks of the results of living by the wisdom of the world rather than the wisdom of God. Not that I personally see a lot of wisdom expressed in our world. He described this earthly, unspiritual philosophy as the source of disorder and all sorts of evil in the world today. I found James doesn't mince his words. He's straight to the point and he's meant to get our attention. So let's look at what he said. This is the doofer. Submit yourself to God. Thank you, Jenny, for doing the reading for me. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. 
Wow, nothing subtle in these verses. Remember, he was writing to the Jewish community of the first century. And they are following a very unspiritual road. And this is what causes fights and quarrels among them. They're focused on their own desires and trying to get what they want regardless of who's standing in their way. These people are spiritually unfaithful and love the world rather than God. Instead of trusting the loving God to provide what they need, they focus on what they want. James wrote about this about 50 AD, but yet nothing has changed. He could have been writing to us today. James 4, 1 to 3 describes quarrels and conflicts between people. And these can be little or severe, but the source is always the same, a root of desire, an internal war of lust and greed. James labels it as adultery. Are you cheating on God with the world system of serving yourself first? If we stay on that path, God will oppose us, but he will never reject us. You know that without God, we have a selfish spirit, an inward condition of the heart that can be concerned with being right or telling someone else they're wrong than having peace with our brothers and sisters. And the reason we do not seek God is because we prefer our selfish nature at times. You know what I mean. We say those prayers that are motivated by what we want, not necessarily what God's plans are. For example... I thought this prayer sounded really good and kind. came from a place that I thought was reasonable. Loving Lord, help my son find his feet. Different son. Okay, you're all right. <laughs> a wife who loves him and a better boss in Hamilton. Yeah, right. I thought it was a nice prayer, but my motivation was quite suspect. I actually wanted him to stay around so I could see what he was doing. Fortunately, the Lord was gracious. He answered my prayer, just not quite the way I'd hoped, but Sam now lives happily in Christchurch with a lovely wife and still loves God, so okay, I forgive him. So, a good time to remember what, that God has so much better planned for our lives than we can even imagine. You know those old sayings, let go and let God, and sometimes letting go is the hardest thing. The second bit, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Didn't say that right, sorry. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. James sees our desires and covetousness as idolatry and friendship with the world, and we can't be both. A friend of the world and a friend of God, God makes us choose. As I said in the previous verses, James saw this as adultery and he accuses those who do it of cheating on God. But in this passage it says, or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? And I love that passage because this is where the hope comes in. God has put his spirit in us and he jealously guides it and guards it. God's grace is big enough to overcome our envy 
and the fact that he jealously yearns for our friendship and full devotion, I think, gives us great hope. But he gives us more grace. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favour in the humble. In Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, this, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. The theme here is he was talking to the churches and the leaders in the church who were getting a bit proud of what they were achieving instead of humbly serving their people. Not easy in today's world when we're all busy. We pass each other with a nod and a cursory, how are you? But do we really take time to hear the response and know what's happening in our friends' lives? Also, Proverbs says, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favour to the humble and oppressed. Hear the general message coming through here? He really likes humble people. He's reacting to the absurdity of fools who laugh at wisdom and bring disaster on themselves. But repentance is always possible, and God gives his grace so freely to all who humble themselves and ask. So James' message is simple. Turn around, submit to God, and move closer to him, and he will move closer to you. What grace. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Those four verses contain ten commands for immediate action. They're not things that James has suggested, he has commanded. Number one was submit, whoops, button. submit yourself to God. Well, that's easy, but I haven't found it to be. How many times have you given God things and then taken them back? How many times do we forget to be thankful at all times and seek his guidance? I do, sometimes, but far too often, after I've experienced despair or sadness or frustration, then I remember to ask God, do I not trust him enough? Is he not my most important friend? I'm not sure. I think I just get wound up in life like a lot of people do. You may not. This is, could just be all about me. <laughs> Secondly, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Oh, this one's easy. Just remember to get up in the morning and put on the armour. Life will be sweet. But do we always recognise who the devil is when he comes to call? Someone we care about says something unkind or gossip, and the temptation in our mind is to judge. We fool ourselves that we recognise the devil without God's spirit prompting us. The spirit recognises the devil even before we do. I was involved in running an Alpha course when we first came to Hamilton. Don volunteered me. 
<laughs> you all know it has eight sessions and then there's a weekend away, which is the Spirit Weekend. Well, on the morning of the weekend retreat that was to be filled for the Spirit for the participants, nothing went right. One of my children was sick, the food I made didn't turn out, and I just felt under pressure from all sides, and I was just getting so frustrated. I was starting to think, I just can't do this. I need to ring Don and say, I'm really sorry, but I can't do it. And then I remembered that when you're doing something for God, the devil takes great delight in putting you off course. So I went into the bathroom, and I looked straight in the mirror, and I said, Satan, get him behind me. This is God's day, and you are not ruining it. Surprisingly, my day went a lot better, but it was quite funny when I walked out of the bathroom and one of my children said, who were you talking to? <laughs> but I couldn't believe how quickly my day turned around and how God came that day and blessed so many that were on the course. And yet I could have missed it all if I had just let it all overcome me. When we have true humility, we understand that our lives are fragile and short. Without God, we wouldn't accomplish anything that is good in his eyes. We can arrogant, be arrogant to think we actually know what good is ourselves. So better to wisely make our plans with humble awareness that God is in charge and may change our plans at any time for his purpose. Draw near to God and he will come to you. The more you seek him, the more you read his word and pray, the closer he is and we feel him. Surprise? I don't think so. That's what he says. Wash your hands, you sinners. This is more about spiritual cleanse than clean hands. Being of pure heart, right attitudes and motives. It's something that we do need to repent to do. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. A sincere purifying of one's life. Repent as we draw near to God. He will convict us of our sins and show us what he wants us to be purified of. Now we get to the good ones. Grieve. Wasn't sure where to go here. <laughs> But isn't that easy? We all know how to grieve. But no, it's not what we want to grieve about. It's what the Lord wants us to grieve about. And I think some of it comes to what he asks us to pray for. Widows, fatherless children, prisoners, foreigners, homeless. You know, do we remember to include them in our prayers? Do we grieve um, when we feel touched and see a situation that we know would grieve our Lord. Mourn. Well, that's appropriate as God convicts us of our sin, as he brings things to our attention and we give them back to us, you find you actually have a real deep sense of mourning for what maybe you did. And there's cleansing at the foot of the cross. Wail. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is very deep and acute sorrow. It's not merely regret or a mistake that we've made, but it's real grief, mourning, and wailing at the sin. And I just feel sometimes Christians today lack a seriousness about their sin. 
and they become weakened by it and very vulnerable, uh, which is a shame. You know, look at the churches today who don't even mention the word sin. What's that all about? Where's their Bibles? Why have they removed that from his word? We should never be afraid to call on the Lord for such deeply felt repentance. It's a huge act of humble submission to God. And when we give ourselves to God, boy, does he give himself back. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. This happens as we realize the depths of our sins and God gives us grace and turns our wailing and mourning and that back to laughter. And humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Matthew 23, 12 says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So the last two verses, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment of it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? God is the only judge. He wrote the law. It's not our business to judge other people, lest we be judged ourselves. But off our mind goes in places it shouldn't. But do remember, having a thought is not the sin. It's what you do with it and where you let it go. You can always ask God to help you rein it in. So we've looked at this message that James gave us in these verses. Straightforward and simple to understand. But we cannot do this in our own strength. We need God. I've talked so far about all the commands that are really quite hard hitting. But also in these verses, there is a huge amount of God's encouragement. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's the power of God in your life makes the devil flee. The verse that says, come near to God and he will come near to you. So there's another of his encouragements to us. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So even though James has outlined all these things that we are meant to be doing, God in his grace is still overarching at all. The assurance that God is for us and tirelessly on our side. When I was studying these passages, there was one of the songs we sing that kept coming back to me. And I'll just, just briefly read the words. I stand upon the rock, the solid rock of faith in Christ. The steadfast hope shall not break apart within the trial. I am assured his promises will never fail. As long as life remains, he is faithful. God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. His ways are higher than my own. His thoughts consume the great unknown. And of this alone, I'm sure, my God is love. And he loves us. And that is the best encouragement and hope we can have. 
And he knows we cannot meet all these commands, and he is there to help us with them. He's always sufficient, so let's keep a perspective. James' letter is inviting us to live and rely on God's grace. He wants us to continually repent, check our desires and motives, but every day choose God. I hope you will too.